You're going to love this. Just love it. Wow. I haven't heard that one in a while. That's encouraging. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Up in Oregon on 91.7 KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 in Palinville, New York. On 102.9 WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV 102.3, and in Washington, D.C. on 105.5, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We are also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, even on holidays. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Grateful and thankful for you to join us here today uh, as uh, Thanksgiving week rolls along. Thankful to all of our affiliates, uh, terrestrial and internet-based. However you are joining us, great to have you here. Thank you very much. As noted earlier in the week, I have been looking for stories to be thankful about uh, over this past week since it's Thanksgiving and all. And i got to tell you, it hasn't been all that easy, Desi Doyen. No, it has not not. been easy to find stories that uh, do not explode my brain. I got to tell you, my brain, I need a rest, man. My brain needs a break, as I expect yours does as well, Des, as I expect our listeners Brains could use a rest uh, a little bit today. So I want to try to stick to stories about which there is at least something we can find to be thankful for. How's that? At least, good. At least for today, we will be back to our usual grim news, no doubt, after the holidays, I suspect. <laughs> uh, and frankly, many of the sort of uh, good news-ish stories today also include... Not as good news along with them. But hey, we, we you know we don't create the news here. We just try to cover what we've got to work with. So uh, we will try at least to stay a little bit positive today for a happy change where we can. Some uh, good-ish news here. Something at least to be thankful for. Afterward, uh, on, uh, on Tuesday night that a U.S. Navy plane went down in the Pacific. Well, now we have learned that eight people aboard that Navy plane that crashed um, on, uh, well, it would have been Wednesday in the Pacific, were recovered. Eight people were recovered in good condition. 
So there's some good news to be thankful for. Yes. Uh, however, the search continues for three other missing personnel, according to the Navy. Um, they said in a tweet today that the eight were brought aboard the USS Ronald Reagan after their C-2 Greyhound transport aircraft crashed while on its way to uh, the Ronald Reagan carrier some 90 miles northwest of a Japanese island in the Pacific. The Navy said the ship was operating in the Philippine Sea, east of the Philippines, when the crash occurred. The cause of the crash was not immediately clear, according to the Navy. The plane was taking part in an ongoing joint U.S.-Japan naval exercise in waters surrounding Okinawa. So the search continues for those uh, three missing Navy personnel, but... Eight were uh, recovered in good condition. So there is at least some good news there. Uh, some good news, sort of, I think, kind of, um, on the Affordable Care Act, on Obamacare. We have now reached the halfway point of this year's open enrollment period, which began... Uh, when did it begin? Uh, the beginning of November, November 1. And uh, it continues now through the middle of December. Um, this is the first open enrollment period under the Donald Trump presidency, the first open enrollment period for Obamacare. And the pace of signups uh, reportedly continues to be strong and, in fact, well ahead of the signups last year. The Department of Health and Human Services released an enrollment snapshot this morning showing that nearly 2.3 million people have enrolled so far this year during the first three weeks of open enrollment. That's several thousand more people than had enrolled in the first four weeks of last year when the Obama administration was pulling out all the stops to encourage signups. Just to make sure I heard that right. So more yep. people have signed up in the last three weeks than in the first four, four weeks, weeks under, last year. That's right, last year. Okay, now, cool. in and of itself, that would seem to be encouraging news, something to be thankful for, perhaps, uh, especially considering the Trump's uh, administration has done everything they can, basically, to try and kill the Affordable Care Act, specifically here by, uh, but well, by Trump's actions, including gutting outreach of funding. Um, uh, I'm sorry, gutting outreach funding by some 90 percent this year to let people know that the open enrollment period is going on. They just cut the funding there. They've cut off subsidies to insurance companies. They have shortened the enrollment period by 50 percent, cutting it in half. That open enrollment period is now on, but it only goes through December 15. So if you want to purchase insurance at healthcare.gov, don't wait. Go now. Do it now. Now, some states like uh, California, which run their own program that don't rely on healthcare.gov, uh, they're keeping it open enrollment open through the end of January, as it used to be on the uh, federal exchange. But the 37 states that use the federal healthcare.gov system are only going to allow you to change your plan or to buy a new one through the middle of December. Now, states that run their own health insurance exchanges are also reportedly seeing a record pace of signups, according to our friend Alice Olstein over at TPM. And uh, a bit more encouraging news here regarding today's numbers that came out from HHS, the number of new consumers signing up for health insurance is also ahead of last year. 
Get Covered, uh, Get America Covered, a health advocacy group founded by former HHS officials, estimates that average daily new consumer enrollment is 45% higher and returning consumer enrollment is 41% higher than last year. So there is some good news, I guess, to be thankful for, but... And here's the but, mm. as with too much of our news today, uh, that encouraging uh, those encouraging numbers may be a bit misleading because the Trump administration has cut the length of the open enrollment period in half from three months down to just six weeks. The strong pace of signups this year is frankly nowhere where it needs to be to match much less beat previous years. So it's you mean the total of the, correct okay. It's beating last year, but it would actually have to be sort of double of what it was last year in order to uh, to beat those numbers or even meet those numbers from last year. Uh, unless there is a massive surge in the final weeks of open enrollment, and there could be, uh, but unless there is that massive surge, the individual market is set to shrink, which will ensure that premiums will increase even more in 2019 than they already have for 2018. That, thanks to Republicans and Donald Trump's attempt to kill Obamacare, uh, the uncertainty about which, as we reported several weeks ago, has caused uh, some premium uh, uh, prices to skyrocket because health insurance companies have been forced to both account for the uncertainty uh, about the Affordable Care Act and to try to make up for the money which they were supposed to have received from the federal government, according to the ACA, to help cover out-of-pocket expenses for low-income customers, as is required by the law. Um, healthcare advocates uh, and experts fear that the new earlier deadline combined with Trump's uh, decision to, to, destabilize. To, to destabilize and to eliminate all of the outreach budget here will cause many people across the country to miss their opportunity to sign up for health care insurance. So... Uh, Josh Peck, the former chief marketing officer for HHS, says that the administration's decision to significantly cut advertising will play out during these final three weeks. So that's what you got about three weeks now if you want to change your coverage, if you want to buy coverage for the first time. So I would say sign up now since they're not advertising. I guess I have to sign up now. Don't wait, especially since healthcare.gov, by the way, will also be closing on Sundays Throughout the open enrollment period, uh, late night, supposedly for maintenance. Uh, but uh, also, you, by the way, you may want to check out <laughs> available coverage and consider changing your existing policy because Trump's efforts to try and kill the ACA have also, ironically enough, in a twist, resulted in more folks actually being able to receive free, yes, free health care policies. Consumers are uh, getting the word that taxpayer-subsidized health plans are wild, uh, widely available for next year for no monthly premium or very little cost, according to Associated Press. And marketing companies say they're starting to see an impact on signups because of it. One online pitch from the insurance broker eHealth promises free Obama coverage in 2018. See if you qualify, they say. Health Sherpa, a private website that focuses on signing people up for uh, ACA coverage, said nearly one in five of its customers thus far will be paying no monthly premium. Uh, 
Also, more consumers are finding plans for under $25 a month. How can this be? How can it be all of a sudden that there's all of these that you can go to healthcare.gov and actually uh, actually get free healthcare insurance, at least, you know, free premiums? Right. Well, this is because of what Donald Trump did. As AP reports, uh, in another twist, in a year in which the Obama health law has managed to survive despite rising premiums, dwindling insurer participation and President Trump's predictions of a swift and sure demise to the federal law. And his direct actions to make to sure To try it to does. make that happen, yes. exactly. But experts say that because of all of that, there is a wider availability of no premium plans as the unintended consequence of Trump's administrative actions to try to undermine the law. The president stopped reimbursing insurers for reduced co-pays and deductibles, those out-of-pocket expenses I was talking about, that are available to people with modest incomes when they're purchasing silver uh, Obamacare plans, the silver-level plans. But sure enough, that has boosted the premiums for the silver plans, as expected. The health insurance companies have increased, increased their prices. Yeah. right? But that means the government subsidies also go up as a percentage of that because they're pegged to the cost of these silver plans. And that means these larger subsidies that are now available for people um, who are eligible for these premium subsidies, that means that the cheaper bronze plans can increasingly be had for no monthly premium at all That's after you take away the uh, the premium subsidies that you may be eligible for. Okay, so because the bronze plans are a little bit less expensive right. than the silver plans, mm -hmm. but the subsidies are all tagged to the silver plan. Right, so I the see. subsidies go up. Uh, tagged and, to the silver plan. And that means that, yeah, if you switch to the bronze plan, in some cases you can get it for nothing each month. The premium, uh, not the health care, because obviously you still have to pay well, co-pays and de deductibles, deductibles to actually access and get direct health care. Now, in some cases, even the gold plans, uh, according to Associated Press, um, which offer more protection against the, you know, the cost of illness, apparently in some cases, even those are available to, uh, for free to people whose incomes qualify them for financial assistance. One guy they spoke to, a guy by the name of Dylan Vatic, said he couldn't believe it. He shopped online recently for next year's health plans. He's a computer science student. He lives in Florida. He qualified for a monthly sub subsidy of about $280. And he found a bronze plan with a premium of less than $270. He said, my health care is technically free. He also notes, as you did, Desi Doyen, that uh, bronze plans aren't for everyone because they do come with uh, very high deductibles yes. in many cases. But he's he's a young guy. He's in his 20s. He figures he's not going to be going to the doctor much and uh, that he had been paying about 80 month, $80 a month for coverage. So now that is down to zero a month. Which is fantastic because yep. in a larger economic perspective, that $80 that he did have to pay to a health insurance company, he can now recycle into the economy. Oh, he can 
uh, remodel his kitchen, his <laughs> bathroom, all of those things all that the- Paul Ryan said. Actually, no, I mean, he could. He would be getting back more money than the average uh, lower middle income uh, taxpayer would via the tax uh, cuts. You know, they were supposed to get in the first year something like $500 average or if something. You believe the re- the if you believe the Republicans. If you believe the Republicans, you're all going to have to pay higher taxes later. But. You know, he was Paul Ryan was saying, "Oh, with that money, they can go out and decorate their house." Well, do pay uh, for college. Eighty dollars times twelve here, and I think it's more than uh, the money that they were promising. So, uh, yes, there's of that, course, of course. But most most low and middle income people use it to do things like buy groceries. Correct. <laughs> pay yes, down debt. that's the and, point. You know. Absolutely. Um, the uh, apparently the uh, the number of people picking bronze plans has more than doubled this year. That is also a downside because they're going to be getting, you know, not as good coverage. Um, but that's uh, a part of this. So a lot of people are noticing this free coverage. Other uh, uh, insurance brokers like eHealth, the online uh, uh, insurance broker, says they're seeing a similar trend among young consumers aged 18 to 24. So that is actually good news. Whether they're getting it for free or not, that is good news for the Affordable Care Act because we need more young, healthy people to help stabilize the in, the entire uh, Affordable Care Act. So that's being seen as some good news, some yeah. uh, news to be thankful for. That is great. I mean, despite the best efforts of the Trump administration's HHS, Health mm-hmm. and Human Services, despite their best efforts to undercut and undermine the health insurance industry for the most, the majority of Americans, it's actually surviving and hanging on and doing okay. Now, the bad news, as there is uh, with all of these stories today, the other bad news here is that uh, those people who aren't eligible for premiums, uh, premium support under the Affordable Care Act, they're seeing their prices go up. They're seeing their health care premiums go up in many, many cases. And now back to the uh, encouraging news to be thankful for. Uh, A lot of Donald Trump voters are beginning to notice. Eleanor Clift reports it uh, at Daily Beast this week that a dozen voters assembled it uh, at a focus group in Wilmington, North Carolina recently that she was at. Um, to discuss Trump's first year in office. Those voters uh, give him some credit for uh, a decent economy, uh, the, the stock market rising. But having said that, she reports, they all use the forum to let loose with their condemnation of the tweeter in chief and the many ways that he has embarrassed them including a whole bunch of Trump supporters. She writes that it was a tough assessment. The most stinging critique came from those in the group who had voted for Donald Trump, with Republican women in particular serving up the harshest words, saying he hasn't delivered on his promises, calling him crude and bullying. Yes. Emily Bell, a 32-year-old Uh, occupational therapist said, I feel like he told uh, people that he had all these big ideas, all of these plans, and it just seems to kind of roll on to something else. It's like nothing is ever accomplished. Oh, she's beginning to notice. That's good. Annie Anthony, 56-year-old woman uh, who runs a small nonprofit, um, says that uh, Donald Trump has embarrassed her by his behavior. She said, I can't imagine how they let him build a country club let alone be in one, because adults don't behave that way. She said she doesn't mind the tweets, but she wishes he would elevate his language 
That's what she was worried about. He uses words like sad and bad. That's first grade language, she said. We are an intelligent population who elected <laughs> you. Represent us. Mm. Don't laugh, Desi. <laughs> I'll withhold comment. There was uh, apparently only one staunch Trump supporter in the entire group. There was only one person who, who uh, was sticking by Donald Trump. And uh, I think this is instructive, too. She's a 64-year-old nurse. Um, she loves the tweets. She says, that's how I hear from him. I don't need an elitist person talking down to me. Cynthia Layton says she doesn't trust the media. She has turned off her cable 10 years ago. She draws inspiration from, wait for it, Rush Limbaugh mm. uh, over our public airwaves. She Rush says, Limbaugh, who yep, routinely lies. Makes stuff up. He's a propagandist. Uh, she says, I read my sites. I'm guessing Breitbart. I read my sites. I listen to his tweets, she says, talking about Trump. She says, I appreciate that he's direct and tells it like it is. So uh, that I, I find um, maybe more enlightening than all of this, that, you know, there are still these people who rely on our public airwaves, which have been given away by the FCC to these huge corporations. There's no fairness doctrine anymore. There's, uh, as I always say, good luck finding people like me, progressive voices over those public airwaves where Rush Limbaugh is able to hypnotize and uh, brainwash these, uh, these, these folks, these folks who you'll, uh, I'm sure, see at your Thanksgiving dinner this week. Um, but uh, most of the people here, the good news is, most of the people here were getting it. This was a focus group that was uh, done in collaboration with Emory University, uh, one woman, An Annie Anthony, uh, who is divorced and voted for Trump, she said, I have Obamacare and I'm grateful for it. Mm. So she gets it. She says, but they're slashing this and they're slashing that. And I'm afraid that I might lose my health care. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's what we've been trying to tell you. And so she is now uh, worried about what is happening. That is good news. That's something to be thankful for. At the end of the session, uh, one participant said to her, said to Anthony, she said, I'm, I'm not sure why you voted for Donald Trump. She said, my kids think I'm a confused Democrat, but I'm actually a weak Republican. Hmm. She's now worried that her health insurance premiums will go so high she won't be able to afford to see a doctor. Um, and, you know, she's got good reason to worry. Uh, although uh, she's I believe she's uh, I lost track of how old she was. So she may almost be to Medicare age unless they got that as well right. as they're planning to do in the uh, in the tax bill, if they can get this through. But these are the people that Trump is losing. A cliff reports uh, Trump's vulnerability with the voters seems to be, of all things, on health care. It came up over and over and over throughout this focus group. And she reports they know who is doing the slashing and they'll know who to blame when those premium hikes hit. I hope it sticks. I hope that they do. Something I hope to be thankful for there. That is something there. to be thankful A for. A little bit. I'll See, keep... I told you. Yep. Okay. Your brain's not exploding yet, is it? <laughs> no. Give us time. We'll take a quick break. and We'll come back with more Bradcast, more to maybe, hopefully, be thankful for. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. 
We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Let's make it a good day. Uh, It is uh, Thanksgiving week, so we're trying to stay positive here, if possible, finding whatever we can find uh, that uh, is some form of good news. Lots of sunshine, by the way, out here in Los Angeles over the Thanksgiving holiday. And as I said, yeah, I know, as I said, all of the uh, encouraging news that we have to be thankful for, there's also sort of a dark side to it. So it's uh, lovely in in Los Angeles where we are. Um, but it's a record 93 degrees here in L.A. today. So thankful for the lovely sunny weather. Um, but uh, as we uh, take a break from uh, or try to from some of the darkest stuff we've been covering for a change, uh, there happens to be a dark side for all of these stories. In this case, uh, we should not be this warm on Thanksgiving week. Right. Uh, our, yes. our average temperature this time of the year is generally about 70 degrees. Now, that's according to the National Weather Service. And they said uh, here in Liars. Southern... <laughs> Fake news. So here in Southern California, Camarillo Airport, which is a coastal city just north of Los Angeles, they officially broke the all-time record high temperature for the month of November. They hit 100 degrees. Wow, they hit 100. I saw it was going up to 99. They they hit 100 in November. Not good, uh, although not a surprise at this point, at least not for broadcast and Green News Report listeners who might have expected that. Uh, But here's a bit of encouraging news on that front as well. This comes from uh, Brad Blog commenter Douglas B., who points us to the story at uh, PV Magazine. PV standing for photovoltaic, photovoltaic magazine. Which are solar panels. Right. A joint study by Finland's La- oh boy. Uh, La Pinaranta University of Technology and Energy Watch Group uh, presented uh, a forum on the sidelines of the recent COP23 climate talks in Bonn, Germany. That we've been talking about, we have at, been talking uh, about on the Green News Report. Correct. And uh, one of these presentations uh, demonstrates that a global transition to 100% renewable electricity could be achieved by 2050. And it would be more cost effective than the current electricity system. Yeah, 
That's kind of amazing. Do you believe that? By 2050? I, I actually do, yes. A hundred percent. Uh, the study's key overall finding is that a global shift to 100% renewable electricity is feasible with current technology. We don't have to wait for some... Magic technology yeah. fairy to invent something. No, we actually have all the tools we need on the shelf right now. And, and here's the big part, it would be more cost effective than the current system led by fossil fuels and nuclear generation. So it would, it would be, it's A, possible, and B, cheaper, and obviously C, cleaner. The study found that in a projected scenario for energy demand in 2050, 100% could be met by current renewable technologies, three-quarters of the cost of what energy costs are right now. The uh, Energy Watch Group's uh, 2050 scenario uh, says uh, solar uh, would cover 69% of electricity demand, wind 18%, hydro 8%, and bioenergy 2%. And that's it. That's that. The key, they say, is that storage uh, st storage technology for solar. Some 31% of total demand would be covered by storage technologies. In other words... Batteries. batteries. Big old batteries. Yeah, which, yep. you know, as we've talked about, not only here on the broadcast, but also on the Green News Report, how, for example, and Elon Musk and Tesla are just one of the companies that are dealing with this. Remember, Elon Musk, he bet South Australia he could build them a utility-sized battery farm and have it up and running. It's actually on its way and on schedule the last time I checked. Elon Musk on schedule? <laughs> yes. Shocking. I can't believe it. Oh, well, you know, he's got yeah. money on the line for yeah. this one. It's for this Free yeah, because he said it was free it if they don't do it. You're right. <laughs> so uh, they've already done it for several uh, Pacific Island nations. They're working on it right now in Puerto Rico. They have one in Puerto Rico that they've set up for that children's hospital. Mm -hmm. That's running um, up and running now as well. So these utility scale batteries farms totally work. And they're also working on them for house sized batteries as well. And the, uh, the president of EWG Energy Watch Group, uh, Hans Joseph, said at this meeting there was no reason to invest one more dollar in fossil or nuclear power production. All plans for a further expansion of coal, nuclear, gas, and oil have to be ceased, he said. More investment needs to be channeled in renewable energies and the necessary infrastructure for storage and grids. Everything else will lead to unnecessary costs and increasing global warming uh, now, it should be noted here, PV Magazine says that only time will tell whether this study's recommendation will translate into reality. We don't know if they're accurate in their numbers or not, or if it will become a reality. But the uh, lead author of the study uh, summed it up by saying, Energy transition is no longer a question of technical feasibility or economic viability, but of political will. And that's where it's always been. And now that we have the innovation and the technology already in place, I think it's important for people to understand that really it's just the political will. It's just the politicians. And this comes back to the same thing we and always this comes say. Back to, there's the dark side, frankly, the fact that it comes back to the political will, that we have to rely on our, our lawmakers or get to our do butts the right out thing. there and vote. And Oh, yeah, there's that. Too. Remember, elections matter. Voting matters. Elections have consequences. And also, by the way, this transition 
will create jobs. A huge oh, yeah. economic There's engine. That. There's energy efficiency that needs to be installed. There's new energy sources that need to be installed. There's new transportation. There's all kinds of stuff that's happening that won't happen until we get the politicians in place. Uh, working on it. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, stuff that won't happen until we get the uh, politicians in place, some good-ish news-ish on guns, on the heels of uh, last week's mass shooting by a white guy in rural North Carol- California. You remember that man shot up a small town, killing five, wounding ten others after being allowed to purchase and re- uh, retain semi-automatic weapons despite his record of domestic abuse, protective orders against him, uh, recent visits to his house by police after complaints that he had been firing off hundreds and hundreds of rounds for several days. On the heels of that and on the heels of the other mass shooting in rural Texas just days earlier, also by a white guy at a church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, that resulted in the deaths of some 26 churchgoers during Sunday mass. Another case where there was a long record of domestic abuse and uh, restraining orders that um, apparently didn't prevent the shooter from being able to purchase high-powered military assault rifles and hundreds of rounds of ammo. Uh, In that case, where the U.S. military had failed to properly report the abuse in the assailant's um, court-martial, Uh, And a year in the military brig, they failed to properly report that to the national background check system. So we have all of these cases where where this has happened, where these people should not have been able to buy guns in the first place. Well, now a bipartisan group of senators have introduced a bill aimed at ensuring the proper criminal record information makes it into those background check systems. Uh, that are used to approve gun purchases, at least used in many cases, not all. Senator John Cornyn of Texas is oh. one of the bill's sponsors, I'm believe it or not. By I know. That. Uh, he said in a statement for years, agencies and states have com- uh, complied with the law, haven't complied, sorry, have not complied with the law, failing to upload these critical records without consequence. Just one record that's not properly reported can lead to tragedy, as the country saw last week in Sutherland Springs, Texas. See, don't be surprised by it, Des, because he's from Texas. So now it's, you know, it's hurt his own constituents. Yeah, now all of a sudden he's worried about it. Uh, He says the bill aims to fix what's become a nationwide systemic problem so we can better prevent criminals and domestic abusers from obtaining firearms. Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat, uh, is one of the most vocal gun advocates in Congress, particularly following the uh, Newtown, uh, uh, Connecticut shooting at the uh, Sandy Hook uh, Elementary School. Yeah, Um, he's uh, one of the most vocal gun control advocates in Congress. Uh, He and Cornyn led this effort to craft this bill, along with a number of other Republicans and Democrats, including Tim Scott of South South Carolina, Republican, Orrin Hatch, Republican of Utah, Dean Heller, Republican of Nevada, and Democrats uh, Blumenthal of Connecticut, Feinstein of California, and Shaheen of New Hampshire. They also signed on to the bill. Yet, uh, despite this bipartisan support, The bill is still going to face an uphill battle in Congress. Many Republicans oppose any change whatsoever to our gun laws. Even after the deadly Las Vegas massacre back in October, 
uh, seems now forever ago, but it was just weeks ago, in fact, where 56 concert goers were shot and killed. Another 500 were shot and wounded. Uh, following that, some Republican senators said they were in favor of a ban on bump stocks that turned semi-automatic weapons into fully automatic weapons, but that bill has sort of kind of disappeared altogether, just dis- fizzled out. We'll see if it ever returns. Don't hold your breath. Waiting for the uh, NRA-sponsored uh, Republicans to actually push that forward. This legislation is called Fix NICS. That's the National Instant Back- Criminal Background Check System, or NICS. So Fix NICS would require the head of each federal agency to certify twice a year that they have submitted the proper records to the NICS system. Uh, and would mandate that each agency develop implementation plans for ensuring that all the records are submitted. But we will see. Senator Murphy uh, acknowledged he would like to see much more. I mean, this really is the lowest hanging fruit of all. Oh, let's pass a law to make sure that they're following the current laws. He says, it's no secret that I believe much more needs to be done, but this bill represents the strongest update to the background check systems in a decade. So that is good. That's something to be uh, happy about, to be thankful about. And along those lines, as we dig deep for things to be thankful for uh, today, American voters now support universal background checks for gun purchases, uh, according to Quinnipiac University, uh, by uh, incredible numbers, 95 to 4. According to this new national poll, 95 percent universal background checks. That means they would like to see the gun show uh, loophole for background checks closed. The online loophole for purchasing these uh, weapons of war. They would like to see those closed. Ninety five percent to four percent. And as if that isn't encouraging enough among voters in households where there is a gun. 94 percent. Wow. 94 to 5 percent support for universal background checks among gun owners, households where there is guns. This is the highest level of support for universal background checks uh, since uh, Quinnipiac started polling on this after the uh, Sandy (laughs) Hook massacre. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, Also, American voters support 65 to 31 a nationwide ban on the sale of assault weapons. They would like to see assault weapons banned. The sale of those weapons banned. Huge majority, 65 to 31. And that includes, by the way, voters in gun households. They support a nationwide ban on the sale of assault weapons, 51 to 43. So a majority of current gun owners. Wow. Uh, yeah, huge majority. I'm impressed. Because and we're talking about a ban. This has been hard to get people to acknowledge the necessity for ever since the assault weapons ban was allowed to expire by George Bush and the Republican Congress back in, what was it, 2004? 2004. Good, yeah, good memory. That was uh, Dianne Feinstein's uh, assault weapons ban. They had been banned for about 10 years. And since 2004, of course, we have seen the uh, use of these weapons in... Uh, deadly mass shootings just continue to rise. So uh, it's good news. The American people get it. It's bad news that the uh, Republicans continue to be beholden to the terrorist enabling National Rifle Association. Nonetheless, the American people are getting it. That's good news. I'll take it for now. 
taking good news wherever I can find it, even if I have to go all the way down to Australia, <laughs> where uh, Australians uh, have now said they support gay marriage in a postal survey, a mail survey, a nationwide mail survey that will now ensure that uh, Parliament must consider a bill to legalize same-sex uh, weddings in Australia this year. The Australian uh, Bureau of Statistics said that the... Uh, said that the postal vote showed uh, that 62% of registered adults who responded had voted for the reform in favor of marriage equality in Australia. This was an unprecedented two-month survey. The conservative government had promised to allow the parliament to consider a bill to create marriage equality in Australia uh, in its uh, final two-week session that is due to end on December 7, so they have to get to work and they got to do it quickly. Uh, so gay marriage could be a reality in Australia by Christmas, although some lawmakers have vowed to vote down uh, same-sex marriage regardless of the survey's outcome. No matter that 62% of the people wanted it, they're still going to vote against it. Ireland is the only other country in the world to put the divisive issue to a popular vote and in Ireland 61 percent of registered voters turned out for a referendum back in 2015 uh, and 62 uh, percent of those voted to change the constitution to allow marriage equality so wherever it's put up on the uh, up for a vote nationally it seems like voters are in favor of it in Australia almost 80 percent of more than 16 million registered voters mailed in ballots here, despite gay marriage opponents who described it, uh, who described the entire issue as a boutique issue that didn't interest most of the public. <laughs> the United Nations Human Rights Com Committee last week criticized Australia for putting gays and lesbians, quote, through an unnecessary and divisive public opinion poll. They're absolutely, absolutely right. We shouldn't be voting on human rights like this, uh, the committee called on Australia to legislate for marriage equality regardless of the survey's outcome. Well, now the survey says yes to marriage equality in Australia. We'll see if lawmakers follow through. On a related note here, uh, Palm Springs, California, this week has now elected a city council in which every person who will be on that council is a member of the LGBTQ community. Awesome. Kind of cool. That is. The uh, council currently had already included three gay men. Now two members of the council will be sworn in next month, according to the L.A. Times, making it an all-LGBTQ council. Fantastic. Remember, this is an area which had once uh, had uh, Republican Sonny Bono, remember that? Uh, oh, yeah. Representing him, and then his wife Mary, after he had died, uh, representing them in the Congress. Now it's a city council that's all-LGBTQ. Good for them. Uh, the uh, two members here uh, who are, are being added, Lisa Middleton, she's a transgender woman, and Christy Holstead, who identifies as bisexual. They're going to join the uh, join the council next month after winning elections to fill two open seats. And this is uh, thought to be the first all LGBTQ city council in the country, according to the uh, L.A. Times. And interestingly, the two members who have been uh, put on to the council said they're not all of that concerned about uh, uh, gay issues, LGBT issues. They said, we really focused on local issues. We're not running because of our identities, but it's still a historic moment, uh, they note. And in one more tiny little bitty piece of good uh, related news here that we can 
be somewhat thankful for before we get to our break. Uh, in a statement marking Transgender Day of Remembrance Monday. Did you know we had a Transgender Day of Remembrance? I did. You did? Yes. I didn't know. I was going to make a joke <laughs> and say I forgot the Day of Remembrance, but I didn't know. Anyway, uh, on Monday we had Transgender Day of Remembrance. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson uh, in his statement said that transgender people should not face discrimination. In what is a huge contrast from President Donald Trump and his proposed uh, policy regarding transgender people in the military, which has been blocked by federal courts. Tillerson said in his statement on Transgender Day of Remembrance, the U.S. honors the memory of the many transgender individuals who have lost their lives to acts of violence. Transgender individuals and their advocates, along with lesbian, gay, bisexual and intersex persons, are facing increasing physical attacks and arbitrary arrests in many parts of the world. Often those attacks are perpetrated by government officials, undermining the rule of law. He added, transgender persons should not be subject to violence or discrimination, and the human rights they share with all persons should be respected. Tillerson's statement comes just months after Trump announced a ban on transgender people serving in the military. Trump claimed that allowing transgender people to join the military comes with, quote, tremendous medical costs and disruption. Studies, of course, have uh, proven otherwise. Completely uh, false. Yeah. Trump's proposed ban, uh, as I noted, has been stalled in the courts in October a federal judge blocked the ban like so many other uh, Donald Trump executive orders since he has taken office. There is something else to be thankful for. We still have federal courts that are uh, willing to stand up to um, violations of the law, violations of the Constitution, even by the president of the United States. But with that uh, thankful note, Donald Trump continues to appoint right-wing radicals who are just absolutely unqualified for the role to the federal bench, to lifetime appointments. So that fight continues um, to keep that from happening any way we can. All right. The people are standing up even in the South against hatred and racism. We'll have that story next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Be thankful. This is your broadcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the broadcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence, because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Thank you for being a friend Travel down the road and back again Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant Welcome back, pals and confidants. Brad Friedman of the Bradcast. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We are particularly thankful this week, by the way, to those of you who stopped by Bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi Doyen and I continue to do what we try to do over your public airwaves just as long as we possibly can here. 
your support, your active support, your um, uh, 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 subscriptions uh, for monthly support are all greatly appreciated uh, at bradblog.com slash donate for that. So uh, thank you. Um, all right. We... Um, there's a story I've been trying to get to here for uh, several weeks. This happened a few weeks ago, but I think it's great. I think it's encouraging, and I haven't had time to get it in. So I'm going to try to get it in now. White supremacists, uh, neo-Nazis, and fascists had descended on uh, a, a middle Tennessee town a few weeks back for a White Lives Matter rally and just struck fear of a sort into communities who are desperate to avoid the kind of violence that uh, had visited Charlottesville, Virginia, just about three months ago over the summer. Um, Huffington Post reports that uh, the uh, these there was going to be two rallies. The first was met with a heavy police presence and resistance from counter protesters. And that led to the second rally planned for the afternoon later in the larger college town of Murfreesboro from being canceled entirely by the organizers. Um, this was, they were trying to, the white supremacists were somehow trying to revive their reputation after what happened in, in oh, Charlottesville. Oh, rehabilitate themselves. Yeah, exactly. See, so, we can rally without killing anyone. Right. They said uh, no swastika flags this time. This was oh, according geez. to one of the uh, people, one of the organizers on their blog. Uh, and yet uh, they one of the organizers met with uh, Huffington Post. And as they were interviewing them in a parking lot, a couple of uh, African-American men came by uh, and uh, basically were, were taunting these Nazis. <laughs> uh, they were at least taking photos of them. And uh, one of the Nazis couldn't help themselves, said, get out of here. N-word. N-word. Yeah. Uh, one of the other ones said under his breath, don't don't do that. And so uh, basically what they're saying is they are now fighting for they are now white civil rights advocates. Oh, please. And their goal uh, of the National Socialist Movement, in other words, the Nazis, is to create a white ethno state or a white homeland in America. And they have uh, concerned people uh, in these uh, towns in Tennessee, in uh, the Islamic Center of Murfreesboro, has uh, been targeted over recent months. They've had to cancel services and religious classes because of threats and bomb threats and arson uh, threats and all sorts of things like that. But the people, the good news here, the thing to be thankful for is the people of Shelbyville, where this first demonstration was was to have happened, uh, they didn't stand for it. Actually, they stood up against it in person. So many counter-protesters showed up, about 750 of them, that they totally shut down these very, very sad and depressed Nazis and white supremacists who had showed up for this so-called White Lives Matter protest. So many counter-protesters showed up. Uh, that the Nazis eventually just gave up and left. And then they uh, had called off that second protest in Murfreesboro. They called it off altogether. Documentary filmmaker and my friend, who I'm happy to have as a friend, David Earnhardt, uh, filmmaker of a great documentary some years ago that I am in, but it is good anyway, called Uncounted, The New Math of American Elections. He was there. David Earnhardt showed up with his camera in Shelby, uh, Shelbyville, 
uh, to speak with the good folks there who showed up to stand up against the white supremacists. He made this short film about what happened. And here's some extended clips that I am thankful for from David Earnhardt's film. Today we're in Shelbyville, Tennessee. There is a Nazi KKK gathering here today. We are expecting hundreds of people to be protesting their message, protesting their ideologies. We want to send a very loud and clear message to racists, white supremacists, that they are not welcome in Shelbyville, Tennessee. The word got out that they were coming, and then all these different organizations that feel the same about this particular nonsense are coming together, standing up, speaking out. And quite honestly, it's very important that we, white brothers and sisters, stand up and speak out to this. We have to stand up. We've got MLK speeches and uh, all kinds of music that's going to be played, everything from Billie Holiday to Los Lobos, you know. That's going to drive out. <laughs> I am here for the counter-protest to the uh, White Lives Matter rally. I grew up in a largely white community. When I graduated high school, I got a job at a school that is 93% minority. And I've seen how racism affects my students. It's very important for me to show up for them because a lot of them live in fear. We've been waiting all morning. Yeah, they don't make Nazis like they used to. Nazis, you guys can't even be on time? That's sad, sad. on this side <laughs> than the other side and it makes me happy and also it makes hope that there are so many white people on this side because at this point it's white people that need to step up and we know who you are you may have forgotten your robes but you are the clowns and terrorists that have burnt churches they have terrorized and lynched we know your murderous genocidal intentions and we will not forget people of color have been doing the work for decades and now it's time for us to own responsibility Cowards. Yeah, they forgot their people. Maybe they forget that too. We have to stand up against the hate. We don't need it in our state. Tennessee's a beautiful state. We do not like hate here. So I feared I would come out today and stand against white supremacy. This is 2017 in our country. We are way beyond this. We shouldn't be going through this right now. argument put to me where people say just turn a blind eye ignore them you ignore it then it's gonna fester and it's gonna grow and it's gonna spread You stand up to it, and if any of you knows what it's like to be bullied, you know that the only way that you can stop a bully is to stand up to a bully. You lost World War II. You lost the war of ideas. You are the Cleveland Browns of political ideology. <laughs> 
We are on the side that supports humanity, the side that supports equality. We're here standing up for Muslims, we're here standing up for refugees, people of color. There are a lot of attempts to normalize racist, white supremacist ideologies. Those efforts come from the very top. They come from the president, they come from his cabinet, his appointees. If there was ever a time to push back on this, right now is that time. Everybody will fight white supremacy in their own way. I personally feel like I need to be here to make a stand against it. I feel like we ignore them. It gives them more room to do what they want to do. We need to say they're not welcome here. Go home, Nazis, go! Go home, Nazis, go! Viva! Viva la comunidad de inmigrantes! Standing up for what's in their heart and soul, and that's why we're here. That was uh, from uh, <laughs> David Earnhardt's film, where Shelbyville, Tennessee, says no to white supremacists and Nazis. The uh, resistance protest there that shut down the planned white supremacist rally. You had about 150 Nazis show up, but 750 or so counter-protesters in Shelbyville, and that led to the second protest in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, also being uh, canceled. So, something to be thankful for. Much. The resistance is holding. Uh, See the uh, recent extraordinary turnout for progressives, particularly minority candidates all across the country. And you know what? If the good guys can outnumber the bad guys in Shelbyville, Tennessee, they can also do it everywhere else in this country, even in the South, even in Alabama. Talking to you, voters in Alabama, time to show up. You got an election coming up down there December 12th. All right. So see, plenty to be thankful for. This week, yeah. right, Desi Doyen? Yeah. Sort of, kind of. We'll take it. We'll take what we can get. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending not just a portion of your day or night with us, but uh, as much time as you have with us over recent years uh, here on the broadcast. It's greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or at your favorite uh, podcast site where we hope you'll leave us a a positive review, make it a little bit easier for everyone else to find us as well. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. And I think that's it. We're going to be off for a few days for the holidays, and we will return with you then. Afterwards, I hope you will join us. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and good luck, world. Mm